0: everybody, welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast, every black film ever made My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble And as always, I am joined by my partner
1: Hey hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul Wednesdays 8 to 10 on G-Town Radio Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are traveling back in time Way back Way back This is before
0: my mother was born Yeah, Tonight- it was
1: before my mother was born
0: It's before your mother was born, ladies and gentlemen It's before my father was born Yes, we're journeying back to the time of Moses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the earth in its primordial stage, which gave us imitation of
1: life. Right, Morgan Freeman was like only 50 years old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yet, no, it's seriously, we're journeying back to 1934 <laughs> for Claudette Colbert, Warren William, and um... In imitation of life, and a Freddie,
1: Freddie Washington, Freddie Washington, and Louise Beavers. Yes, I say I ain't not gonna say the black ass name. I
0: know. I was sitting here. I'm like, you know, I wanted to say their names.
1: Although I think it's a good reason to forget their names.
0: Well, the first, the first ones that came to my to my lips were going to be Juanita Ford, right? But she's in the 1950 right uh, nine
1: version, right?
0: So that's why I knew that was wrong. Right. And then I was grasping.
1: Right, right, and also the black characters are like guests in their own movie, aren't they? Though. But we'll talk about that. We'll after. talk about yes. that in a
0: little bit, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but first, we have to dig deep, really deep, into to this landslide of feedback. Yes. That we got from all of you on Instagram, on Facebook. Twitter, and (laughs) emails.
1: Smoke signals. Smoke signals. People stop us on the street.
0: Rocks through my window. (laughs) All of this feedback that we received in regards to Melvin Van Peoples' Sweet sweet Sweetbacks Badass Song. Yes. Episode 97. Um, We received an email, Vince. I'm sure you'll be Happy to hear this. We got an email from MC Picket Fence. Yes. Who said, I love this episode. Oh, good. And I have to say, I agree 100% with Vince. All this right. One. I think this was the film that Melvin wanted to make, even with the problematic things in the movie. I think Melvin wanted this movie to be looked at as a total art piece. This movie, with the way that it was shot, looks like a 60s avant-garde French film. And as we know, Melvin was a French resident for a period of time before making Sweetback.
1: Oh, I did not know that.
0: But anyway, I love the show. Keep up the good work, fellas.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So that was from... uh,
1: MC Pickett Fence.
0: MC Pickett Fence, uh, making his thoughts uh, well known about this movie as did everyone else in our Facebook group um, let's see as I go down here there was a thread where I actually posted the show into our Facebook group um, at the insistence on of um, oh, who, who, who made me do this <laughs> oh, all, all these all, all these comments they are so annoying oh Alan <laughs> Anthony. He said, Hey, where's the thread about sweet sweetbacks? Because I you know, I wanna I wanna comment on it. Right, right, right. So I posted the show to the Facebook yes. group. Yes. At which point Alan Anthony writes, Oh, Len you are so mad.
1: You were big mad.
0: That's all I wanted to say. That's <laughs> all he wanted to say. He just wanted me to post it just so he could say, Len, you were
1: mad. Angry Len is quite quite a thing to see. <laughs> Steve Tozen said that this episode yes. is
0: required listening
1: <laughs> shut up Steve what's up Steve
0: Steve. he said this was even better than the last dragon or driving Miss Daisy
1: huh? <laughs> you know I was thinking that maybe you and I could do a double feature of Sweet Sweetback's badass song and driving Miss Daisy and just sit in, in in stew like the both of us just sit there and be angry yeah
0: maybe Robert Monroe hit us up
1: what's up Robert he said this was
0: a great episode although I understand where Len was coming from I have to side with Vince on this one All right. I saw this film for the first time when I was in my early 20s when a man who acted as my mentor during my teen years showed it to me hmm that's interesting (laughs) interesting phrase there yes um (laughs) Did he pay very close attention to the beginning of the movie? Is that what he's trying to... I
1: don't
0: know. Anyway, I have been looking forward to seeing this movie I heard so much about, but after viewing it, thought that it was a piece of garbage. My mentor explained to me that the film had to be viewed in its historical context. Yes. Basically said the same things that Vince said. While I would agree that the film is very problematic in several ways... It is an important part of African American cinema. As for the use of music, then people should have just let Earth, Wind, and Fire do their thing. Earth, Wind, and Fire evolved from a Chicago band called the Pharaohs, who are best known for playing on the Afro Sheen commercials.
1: Yes, Robert Monroe dropping little music jewels,
0: dropping dropping knowledge is is only Robert Monroe. Ken, he says he views Sweet Sweetback the way that I view Godard's Breathless. I appreciate them, but I don't like them. Fair. Yeah, I, 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 I call foul. I call foul. I'm I'm sorry. I think this movie is is garbage. Okay. Steve Tozen. Yes. The six million dollar triple," said. "I think that Mission Michelle number ninety seven reviewing Sweet Sweet Sweetback's Badass song may have been my favorite episode ever.
1: Oh, good.
0: I love when the guys debate over opposing views on movies versus a film they have similar feelings for because in all it's always intelligent talk filled with lots of historical and social contextual deep dives, and then. When it's a movie that Len doesn't like at all <laughs> with a maddening script. So, as he talks about the movie, you get some of that fractious Len. That's, that's that Len that isn't being overseen by the FCC and can cuss freely. <laughs> Nothing in the galaxy can beat it. Damn, I love this show. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you, Steve.
0: <laughs> uh, P.S. For less than 30 days
1: from. Black Panther.
0: Yes. And Black Lightning is on the screen. Yes! I believe Vince promised us a binge lounge deep-dive session on Don McGregor and Tony Isabella a few months back. Plus, isn't Spock adjacent going to be really fun once Discovery Season 1 ends and you can just talk about random Star Trek topics? Can you tell how much we love Miche- the Michelle mission? See you in Philly. A.K.A. Uh, Steve and Alara Tozen.
1: Yes. The cash money triples. Yes, yes. It's it's funny. We actually promised Black Panther because I wasn't thinking about Black Lightning. Did you watch it? I watched the first episode. It was really good. It was. It actually was very It was surprisingly good. Yeah. I never really think about Black Panther. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I mean, uh, Black Lightning. I don't think Black Lightning's ever had a good run. Well, the the the... The comic only lasted like 12, 13 issues. Yeah, but he's had two or three series over the years. No, I don't really think he did. He had the he's original been, run. He's been in a series. No, no, no. He had the original run, which went like, you know, six, seven issues. He had the issue that Eddie um, Newell did when he got that back in the 90s where basically they, um, they said he was living in Newark, basically. Okay. He had... Um, that thing last year with like booster gold, or I think it was booster gold, or I oh no blue devil, oh really, yeah, oh. yeah, black Lightning has never really had a good run by my read, like I love the character, but I've never really seen anything,
0: okay, yeah, I see it done in that well, yeah he had a separate series, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: you know the reason I know is because I bought everything that he's in, and then I you know I'm just sort of supporting
0: cause you don't read it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually in the midst of doing my Black Panther research right now for the um for the for the um Wakanda. Yeah, for Wakanda and for our binge lounge.
0: That's right. Yes. Yeah. So d- to answer you Steve, um the week that Black Panther comes out, we will actually be doing a Black Panther themed binge lounge that week in lieu of uh, an episode of the Michelle Mission.
1: I'm in the second um, year of Priest Run right now. Okay. I'm like on issue 20 right now.
0: You know, they... So good. We always always do this. We always dig in the... We somehow land on comics. I know. (gasps) That's not our fault. That was in Steve's email. Yeah, Steve took us here. Yeah, that's Steve's fault. Steve's fault. So blame Steve. Um... You know, the Christopher Priest run that you were talking about. Right. Right. Is very is heralded. Yeah. I remember buying it originally and really liking it because of Mark Texera's um artwork on
1: it. Yes. But Mark didn't last on the series that long. Well, they jerked him with an artist pretty much the entire run. Priest. Priest, yeah. Well, I mean, how much did they how much is
0: it that they jerked him and how much is it that Mark maybe dropped out? Because Mark was doing a ton
1: of work on there. No, 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 no. But even that first couple of years, you're saying Mark did a lot. And he did do a lot of it. But Mark Bright is in that first year. Mm. Remember, it was a couple of issues with Mike Manley. And then eventually it sort of settled with Sal Valuto. Oh, yeah. And and I actually like Sal Valuto on that. And I don't like Sal Valuto. Me neither. But I thought it worked. But... um. Yeah. Well, for whatever reason, when that big
0: compendium of the of those, that run uh-huh. that's come out, when I look flip through it, you know, uh, I'll buy a book for a story but the art still has to interest me. And the art is so up and down. In it, it
1: absolutely is.
0: That I, I just, I find myself not wanting to buy it. It
1: absolutely is. Conversely, I
0: just looked at for the first time I guess really for the first time that I even remember the collection of Reggie Hutland's run. Yes. And the art in that is pretty consistent.
1: And I don't well, like the story.
0: And I've heard the stories. I don't, I don't man. like
1: Hutland's run. It's, it's like it it, you know, my, he's got a little bit of everybody. Here. My memory of it. And you know, to be clear, I haven't gotten to it yet is that it was like watered down priest. Mm. Although Reggie Hutlin is the one who introduces Shuri, yeah. So,
0: yeah, and he, and he has pretty much every black character in Marvel in there. I mean, yeah, he, brother Voodoo. I mean, brother Voodoo is in Priest Run too. Oh, I, I, maybe I didn't last that far yeah. in Priest Run mm-hmm. for that. But um, so I mean, but
1: but that one looked more appealing to me, maybe because the art. They had also thrown a little money behind that run.
0: Well, it was Reggie
1: and remember Reggie they was
0: definitely a name.
1: Well, and they were trying to do the television show.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right. They did so that.
1: that was all at that same time. True. True. And you know, so. and that's when they, you know, finally did what Priest wanted to do and let Black Panther marry Storm. Yeah. So no. So I'm, I'm, but we'll I'm, talk about all of we'll that. We'll talk all about this. All of that.
0: Yes, that's a preview. A preview. All of that. For what's coming the week of right, right, um,
1: right. Black Panther, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and as far as Spock Adjacent, we've had a lot of conversation this oh week. Oh, boy. You got to listen to the the Spock Adjacent podcast. But I will say, Steve has um, got together a little Facebook group. I saw that. Just for that. And that's been a lot of fun this yeah. week.
0: Yeah, I I, I saw that. That, that. well we'll talk about that on the Spocky J. We'll
1: talk about that on Spock G. People and that Jason. just tune into the And They're you. like I Comics, know.
0: now Star Trek. I know. Can we get to a movie?
1: Please? I know.
0: Can we get to a movie? I know. All right, I hear you. All right, I hear you. Um, so uh so that's uh, so I think that's pretty much basically <laughs> you know, in, in regards to sweet Sweetback's badass song it appears that all of our listeners agree with Vince that and they agree with me because I said this is an important film
1: Oh, did you?
0: No, I, <laughs> I said it's an important film in that it's, it's like the first exploitation film but neither is it a good film
1: and neither is it so important that you need to see it See, I think it's so important that you need to see it. I don't know how much you can argue how good it is.
0: You, like, you can't argue that it's
1: good. No, no. I, I mean, uh, don't make me repeat my argument before. I think it's it's Action Comics number one. It's important. You should read it. You should see it. But it's it's very crude.
0: See, you know, you say that. I do. And I don't think
1: that's a fair comparison. Why not? Because I think it's I think a perfect action comparison.
0: Comics, action Comics number one, four comic books at its time, is not a bad comic book.
1: I think there are way better comics coming like, out in always, thirty-eight.
0: Okay, there's always going to be, be way better than than of of something always. But, but, but I think, but I think, but I think that Action Comics number one is is no worse than the average comic book coming out in nineteen thirty-eight. Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song is a bad movie compared to anything else coming
1: out in in 1971.
0: It's just a bad Unless movie. Unless you're and, talking about the other
1: experimental films that are coming out. At no,
0: the time. and I'm, ta- I'm tired about people comparing this to experimental films. Like, um,. Uh, who's the, I forget which email we just read? Right, read. Uh, I think uh, *Pick a Fence* compared it to like the French films, yeah, French avant-garde films. The French avant-garde films, you know, yes, they were experimental in nature, um, and they had uh, they had um, some weird design elements, weird editing elements, and weird played with narrative. Played with, narrative and by played and with
1: it. Sometimes there was no narrative.
0: Sometimes it wasn't okay, but there was always where there was something missing you could feel something else okay there's maybe there's no narrative there but you're still feeling the energy of what they're trying
1: to do that's what I there's no energy is subjective it's It's completely subjective subjective. i'm sorry it's not subjective this movie is so everybody that feels the energy you
0: are all we're all lying
1: okay we're all wrong you're
0: all wrong hey man
1: stand alone you're all stand alone we're all wrong i
0: don't know what is i don't know what's wrong
1: with we're all we're all hey even, even we're all donald sutherland at the end of invasion of the body snatchers all of us. It's just you. You're that one woman. You're that last white woman in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'll be that All Alright, and then you're looking at me and I'm going "Ah!" I just spoiled Invasion of the Body Snatchers but it came out like 77.
0: So, I've I've said my piece. Yes, yes you have. (laughs) I'll say no more.
1: All right.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, real quick before we get into the movies, let's talk about um, today they released the Oscar nominations, yes, they did. And um, get out, I saw that nominated for best picture, I think it was also nominated for best director, best director, yeah. And was it, uh, was I it think,
1: best um, screenplay? Um, I thought, was it screenplay? Because and I think Daniel, um, Daniel Kalua, I think, got a nomination
0: yeah it's pretty dope yeah uh it was nominated for best picture best screenplay director and actor right so shout out to get out shout out to get out i am i am with that i hey it is my number one movie of the year of
1: 2017 you know what i don't even remember what i saw last year you saw justice league no, no, no. I mean, as far as what would have been nominated for an Oscar, like I don't even because <laughs> it wasn't Justice. Right. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't even remember what I saw last year besides Get Out. That's how prominent Get Out was. No, no, and also just I didn't. I was. I didn't go to the movies.
0: Well, I mean, I know you saw Justice League, and I know you saw Wonder Woman.
1: Right. Well, I saw the you know kind of popcorny things. Right. But yeah. yeah, I don't even remember what came out. What else is nominated for Best Picture? okay <laughs> uh
0: let's find let's find out i don't we'll find this out oscars but- let's find out what are uh, the shape of water i wanted to see that yeah the shape of water was uh, that got, got nominated for best picture yeah it got nominated. wow yeah let's see uh I'm trying to get the, uh, to all the nominations. This is just a uh, story that's got, like, freaking everything. It just doesn't list. Doesn't Last
1: year was so crazy for me, just my personal life. I just couldn't get to the movies. Like, it was just a crazy year, well, a I mean, crazy busy year. That happens, man. Yeah. You know, no shame in that. No
0: shame. So let's see. Uh, let's, let's Here we go. So for Best Picture, you had Call Me By Your Name. Uh, that's that new movie with Army Hammer. Yeah, uh, about him having a I think a uh, a gay relationship with a uh, uh, a young a young boy. Okay. Um, then you had uh, the Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, The Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri.
1: Not only did I not see any of those movies, I had no real desire to see the vast majority of those movies. Oh, really? I wanted to see Three Billboards. I wanted to see The Shape of Water. Mm -hmm. If I never see another prestige World War II movie again, I'm good. As far as Dunkirk So, And I think Darkest Hour, isn't that a World War II? Oh, yeah, that is too. Yeah, so I don't need to see any more World War II movies. Well, um,
0: well, yeah, cause, yeah. That is World War Two. It's more from it's more from the uh, political side. Yes, I'm
1: right? sure it's from some angle. But yeah,
0: it's because it's the actually like the political angle of I think Dunkirk. The yes, battle, right. Uh, I do want. I did want to see, and I do want to see. I think it's just coming opening here locally. The Phantom Thread uh, with Daniel Day Lewis.
1: Yeah, I had no real desire to see that.
0: And Lady Bird, I want to see.
1: Had no desire to see Lady Bird.
0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we were just talking about the uh, Oscar nominations, and we had a long conversation about all the, the Oscar <laughs> nominations and everything like that. It was really fantastic. And then we went into our review of 1934's Imitation of Life. Funny thing happened on the way to finishing up <laughs> the show. Somewhere along the line, the recorder actually stopped. It stopped 23 minutes into the show, the, unbeknownst to us. The devil is busy. Devil is busy as a motherfucker. So, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. Let's do it again. But we're not going to finish that Oscar talk.
1: <laughs> right. So,
0: <laughs> you know, and um I know that the the trailer came in very abruptly at the end of that Oscar talk. But but now you know why. Yes. And now we're going to talk about 1934's Imitation of Life. Vince, what say you about this movie?
1: You know, when I chose this movie, (laughs) we're laughing because, well, you know, it's weird because it's like now you have to sort of repeat what you just said. I know. So it's it's very sort sort of unorganic, inorganic. Yes. But we go with the blows. Yes, we do. Originally, I chose a 1959 version right. because that is the version that I think is is more popular yeah. and certainly the version that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And one of our missionaries pointed out that the, the passing character in the 1934 version was played by an African-American actress. Freddie Washington. Freddie Washington, which is amazing when you think about these passing films and i believe that this was the only time that passing was a subject in a film and the person passing was played by an african american actor mm. until devil in a blue dress okay back in the um, late 80s early 90s
0: certainly the only time in a hollywood film i'd right. be surprised if you find some
1: no 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 but you know we're talking about something. you know yeah, studio major release film. major film So I thought that fact in and of itself would make this more worthy of our exploration when we talk about this. And it's a really interesting film in how much it doesn't really deal with the implications of Passing. Where by the time the film is over, you realize that the African-American actors, Louise Beavers, who plays Delilah, and Freddie Washington, who plays her very light-skinned daughter, Piola, are almost guest stars in their own film. Yeah. So that by the end, you can talk about this film and and the attributes of the film without even addressing passing, really. You can, yeah. You know, it's, it's basically a subplot. Having said that, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this. Claudette Colbert plays B, who has gone into business with the black character Delilah, and they've created this pancake empire, you know, pancake powder and pancake, you know, I guess, accessories. I assume they have a whole line of pang. Did you get the feeling they had a whole line of pancake things? Yes. Yes. Claudette Colbert is a name that I've always heard, but I'm not an old movie film buff like i've seen you know a lot of the big ones but i'm not really an old movie person so this is my first real introduction to introduction her. and exposure to her and i'm a fan like she's really good in here she's yeah. she's charismatic she's funny she has screen presence and I enjoyed, and she really is the foundation of the film. Like yeah. this is her film, yeah, and it's a great showcase for her talents. I was also really surprised, um, um you, you know, I, I was pleasingly surprised, pleasantly surprised rather, by how progressive and feminist this film is. Okay. Like at the heart of this film is this friendship between Claudette Colbert's character B and Louise Beaver's character Delilah. And they are friends. And and they raise their daughters together and you know it's an hour into the film before Claudette Colbert gets the the sort of um studio mandated love interest. Like, certainly you can't have a film with a female character without her having a love interest, even though, even the way that that plays out, where ultimately she breaks up with her love interest because her relationship with her daughter is more important. It's more important, right. Kind of goes along with that, with, you know, again, this through line of female friendships, female relationships, you know, some of, you know, the the most important one in the film is cross-racial. Mm -hmm. and there's respect there on both sides, and I thought that was really, again, it was a pleasant surprise. I wasn't expecting that from a film from 1934. Certainly. But we're here really to talk about the passing element, And, and I think Freddie Washington who plays Piola, who is passing, I think Freddie Washington does not get a lot to do, because as soon as Freddie Washington appears the film goes out of its way to almost quarantine her right from the other white actors, yeah, and when you read about this film and you read about the development of the film, this is not your imagination. like there were actual rules in place and and you know they talk about the um the morality clauses at these studios where you couldn't have a black actress on screen with these white actors in an unfettered way. I I think when we think about passing and we think about the 1959 version of of this film, you know, an an imitation of life, a lot of the conflict comes from this African-American character having romantic entanglements. Yeah. With white characters. And if you look at at, you know, sort of passing in novels and passing in all of these other forms of media, the critical point usually comes, frankly, when the character who is passing is about to have a baby. And and the whole thing is, is the baby going to be black? Right. This film, Piola is not allowed to come near. A white man.
0: She's not allowed to have any type of romantic feelings or it, intentions or it, anything.
1: She just is frustrated. She's yes. just you you know, the, the language the, the word I've been using as we talked about this before is smolders. Mm-hmm. Like you can feel the frustration coming off of her. And when you read about Freddie Washington, who was a proud African American woman, was actually very um very vocal, a very vocal proponent of of civil rights big time. You can't help but imagine that this is part of her frustration with life as well. Louise Beavers as Delilah the the black mother is You know, she's a product of the time. It's 1934, and a lot of it is very difficult for modern sensibilities, or at least it was very difficult for my modern sensibilities. To and let's put it out, she is an older woman. She is an older woman, although I don't know how old she really is. I I just think you know, she's so desexualized. She's so just sort of you know the way that she's situated. It's difficult to tell, and. And, you know, to the point where there are points in the film where the white characters say in so many words, you don't have to be so slavey, like pull it in a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, that was distracting. But I have to say. Even with Louise Beavers and her performance, even with the fact that. Um, so much of the reason that I came to this film was sidelined, I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, you walk away in, in, enjoying the film. Um, I have, have long been a fan of Claudette Colbert. I, I watch a lot of old movies, so I was familiar with her from um, from It Happened One Night, to, um, probably her most famous movie that she did with Clark Gable, uh, and, and as well as I knew that she was in, in Imitation of Life, even though I, I had not seen the film. So I was already aware of the bundle of energy and um, talent that is Claudette Colbert. Uh, And I also was aware that at one time, and I believe 1934 may have been been right around that time, if not peak time, she was one of the, if not the, you know, top stars in Hollywood. So seeing her lend her star power to this film, that for the most part is... You know, for the time, trying to be even-handedly um, even-handed in its portrayal of the the racial issues that it that it comes across in this film, um, uh, a film that had to fight outside forces to get made because there were definitely uh, the powers that be were definitively. Uh, against the showing of a black a black person passing right and um or, or um, any implication that there was uh a a person of mixed racial heritage um like we had mentioned it previously when we did this <laughs> um that and the movie goes out of its way to point out that piola is, you know, has a darker skinned mother played by, you know, Delilah and just a very light skinned black father. Right. But he is black, but he is black. Right. Don't, don't, don't you think differently? Right. No, we said it.
1: We see. We, there you go. And he's
0: black. So they make sure they, they make sure they say that. And, and, and you can feel the studio all on it. What it, you know, writing down on, I was like, well, you better make sure that that's in the script, you know, right. so they make sure that that is in the script. Um, so seeing that Claudette Colbert lend her star power to this um, actually just made her that much more endearing to me right. um, as an actress. Um, and Louise Beaver's, you know, it is what she is. She's playing the old maid character as you will, um, it does become a little. It 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 does become a little frustrating in how much she is just wants to, you know, accept her situation, right? Settle for what she's be- being given, even when this these friends uh, have a business. That becomes a monumental success. Right. They move from like a one room apartment to like this townhouse. Yes. In the heart of New York City, you know, where the uh, B is now
1: a social butterfly. Right. And to be clear, they move to this house because initially B says to Delilah, we now have enough money that we can both have big houses. Yeah. And Delilah says she doesn't need her own big house. No, 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 house. no, I
0: just want to be with you. I just want to, to live with
1: you and rub your feet periodically. And,
0: and that, and that's, and, and that's where that slave. When you say slavey, that's where I, I definitely will say that because she actually says you just want to give me away. You know, right? just give me your money so you can buy a house, you're right? You're like, you know, you're trying to give me away. No, I want to be want to be with you. You know, you're rich now, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, even though, even though. B says, you know, you're only going to get 20%. Right. Which no. Not fair. Not fair. Wouldn't fly in on a 2017 script. No. 1934 script, that's more than they even had to say that she was getting. Yes. And when Dalila turns down the money or the even a prospect of having a house for herself of herself for her daughter, um B goes out of her way to say, okay, I'll put your money in the bank for you. Right. You know, so you won't have to worry about it. You know, you're going to have money. Right. So I'm doing this because of the friendship that they have. Right. You know, she understands where Delilah is coming from. She's accepting where Delilah is coming from. Um, And, uh, and they became friendships on, they became friends on those terms. So God bless. They're going to be friends on that, on those terms. But I know that your circumstances are so much better and you could do so much better. And I'm gonna make sure that as much as I can, you're gonna get your fair fair share. Right. Which is why it then read a little disingenuous character-wise to me, that when Piola and Jesse, the two daughters, right, grow up. And become of college age Jessie is sent off to school by her white mother because that's what you do send her to college right to to further her education absolutely Um, I'm surprised in the lives of these two little little girls who obviously were raised almost like sisters absolutely that B wouldn't have imparted to Delilah or even Piola on her own as like Aunt B the importance of her furthering her education whether it be okay maybe she can't go to the same college as Jesse right but there are like there are HBCUs that have started up at that at absolutely that time in 1934 you know why not go there continue your education to uh, so that you can be be more of your life um so it read disingenuous that you don't see that happening Um, but when you remember that this movie despite it's trying to talk about the whole passing situation it really doesn't talk about it it really doesn't dig deep into it it more is just Takes the idea of passing, and it's not even truly a, a subplot. It just gives it. It just gives you a wall to wail against, and that's really all they're doing in the movie. Freddie Washington's character Piola, is just wailing about how she wants to be white. I want to be white. That's all she really is doing,
1: and never actually says, "I want to be white because, because. you know I have more options in life." But you know, I think it. This this is blackness in the white imagination. So that certainly in 1934 when they talk about blackness, blackness just equals misery. Mm -hmm. And if we send Piola and, you know, at one point they actually say, you you know, B says you should go to one of these colleges down South with, you know, I think the implication is she's talking about a black college. Yeah. But if you send Piola there and you show Piola at this college, Peel is not going to be miserable or at least not miserable like this because black people are prospering and and having <gasps> joy. Yeah. And you can't have that in this film because for this film to have this this subplot being black has to be the most awful thing on earth. It's just misery and subservience and sacrifice, which is what you get with Delilah. Right. And you know in a lot of ways the film paints itself in a corner with Mm -hmm. Piola because the other thing that we, you know, you talk about Piola has this relationship with Jesse, the white daughter at this point, they should still be fast friends. Yeah. So that Piola should socialize with Jesse. But what that opens up is what you'll see in, in the 1959 1959 version and other passing films where the passing character is played by a white actress, mm. you get romantic entanglements, right? You can't have romantic entanglements with an actual black actress. Yeah. So we can't send her to Spellman and show that she's going to have a great time. Cause she's a, you know, she's a rich, a, a beautiful, rich black girl because we can't talk about black joy and we can't send her with Jesse because we can't have her have romantic entanglements. Mm-hmm. So she's just going to smolder and, and we walk also, around.
0: And it's also, as far as the whole Spellman or going to the college thing is, yeah, you can't show black joy. But you also can't show the, the black experience that you have no idea of. Then there's you know, that. You know there's colleges there, but you don't know what life is there. So when she does eventually go there in the film, the only thing they can say is that, oh, while she was there, she ran away. Right, And they can't even say right. what she ran away from. Right, like what was the problem? Because the second you do that then you ring false. Right. So all you can say is that she ran ran away and it, you're left to your imagination. If you're a black person, maybe you fill in the blanks of like, oh, maybe they were ridiculing her or whatever or whatever. You don't know. If you're a white person, you're thinking like, oh, it was a. It, she went down to those those Negro colleges, well, they were so inferior. Of course, you would want to go want to go to a white college, right? You know?
1: Or just be a shop girl. I'd it, rather be a shop girl than go to a black college.
0: Exactly. You know it, what I mean. So, right. but they can't say that. Right. They, they they can't they can't depict what they don't know. And in some ways, that's smart. Right. Um, in some ways that you know you, you you just like hey we could get in trouble but in uh, in other ways it's like you said it's just the white imagination it's black experience via the white imagination
1: right which is pain and misery right you know and sacrifice and subservience exactly right which you know I think the one thing that remains true in both versions is this you know this really sort of fetishized funeral scene. Like when you talk to people about *Imitation of Life*, they usually talk about the funeral. It's the okay. It's
0: okay because the funeral and and Delilah for all of her not once of anything. I right. mean, you see first of all, you see that everything in her life is totally devoted towards her daughter. Right, her daughter first. B and her daughter Be second. Be and Jesse
1: second, yes.
0: And then, you know, maybe once in a while I'll get off my feet. That's really yes. all she really wants to do. Right. Just sit down every once in a while. You know, can't we put a, a chair up here to the grill right. while I make my pancakes?
1: Yes. The
0: only other time you see her even want Anything of a creature comfort for herself is her funeral. Yes. And my God, I don't think St. Gabriel had as ornate a funeral as she wants for herself. Yes. Yes. And uh,
1: when she passes, she gets it. She gets it. Which was kind of fascinating to me talking about blackness in this white imagination. You do get this peek into like black people in formal wear and mm-hmm. you, you know and they're wearing like the the, the almost Marcus Garvey military gear yeah, and the pageantry the pageantry of it where it was like wow this is so so I guess you know on the one hand we see black beauty in this film on the other hand apparently we can only see it in death yeah so and
0: yeah, that, that 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 is telling um but it, th- for all of that, which is kind of like on the nose in this movie, there are some nice subtle touches. There was the one scene where they were talking about Peola um, after the after the party. B and Delilah are talking about Piola and you know what they're going to do with her, and they're they're going off to bed and they're talking about how you know we'll deal with this in the morning. And it's a very it's it's subtle storytelling, especially for 1934. But it is its master storytelling, in that as they go off to bed in their opulent townhouse, right in the heart of New York City, B Claudette Colbert goes up the spiral staircase into the into the light, yes, of the hallway, and Delilah descends down spiral staircases into the shadows of the basement portion of the house which is where she lives. Yes. Mind you, it's still it's it's nice down there. Yeah. It's like she's not in the basement. Right. But it is very interest it's it's very uh a subtly but poignant shot. Yes. That is that is done there by yes. John the director John Stahl.
1: And it's where she voluntarily goes because again the script and the film make clear she could purchase her own house if she wanted to. So. so not only does she descend, but this is where she's supposed to be, mm-hmm. according to her. Right. So it almost lets white people off the hook. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't tell you to go down there. You you sent yourself down there. Yeah. Yeah,
0: well, that's why people off the hook because you know the whole the, there is that part of the story. I mean, it's it's it's, it's kind of like twofold. There, it's, a, it's that part of the story in where with Delilah, you know. Black people saying, like, oh, we're fine with what we have, the scraps right. that you give us. Right. And then in the Piola, it's the, you know, oh, I'm so close to being white if I can just make it. <laughs> if I
1: could just be white. If
0: I could just make it to the other side. Right, and,
1: right, right.
0: So um, there, that's there, too. But, again, like you said, despite all of that being there and being very prevalent and very in your face – and with Louise Beavers, Freddie Washington being co-stars in this film, which which supposedly a plot is about passing, right? You still kind of like the movie
1: i I almost want to watch a cut of the film without the black characters. Almost. Claudette Colbert, you you know, I just mentioned, you know, I thought she was great. Warren William as her eventual love interest, Steve Archer, is fantastic. And they have great chemistry together. They do.
0: They actually very well.
1: Uh, Ned Sparks, one of these actors that pops up mm-hmm. throughout the 30s and 40s, who plays their business manager. Yeah. Is fantastic. Isn't it? I love every Moment he is on on screen, and I almost you know talking about cutting out the parts with Delilah and um, and Piola, I almost wanted to see a film about the rise of Delilah's pancakes with um, Elmer and B. Yeah, kind of navigating the business world. If the movie was just that, yes. Because honestly, if you really lean
0: into the passing story. Which, let's face it, you know, if you're smart, is enough for the movie. Yes. And the backstory being the rise of the business, especially considering one, how progressive a story it is. Yeah. And and it, it's it dovetailing with the friendship of these two people. Yeah. Um that is an extremely interesting movie. Yes, it's a, 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 a timely movie. A time—I mean, as timeless as this movie is, it's that would make it that much more timeless. You just
1: nailed it. You just nailed it. I think we we, we do. I think we talked about the 1959 one being more melodramatic. Did we talk melodram- about it last time? Or I think it was the last time. Right. But <laughs> it's the 1959 one is really melodramatic. It's almost a soap opera. It's it's very soapy. Mm-hmm. and it's very much a product of its time. I think with very few changes, you could remake this film. Yeah, you could remake the 1934 version. Yeah. Like like it's it very few changes you could remake this film. Because it is amazingly progressive in the parts that it is. I mean, obviously right. the 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 plot about passing and all of that would need to be Handled, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot here that that you could just keep the way it is. Yeah, so
0: there's a a lot to be mined uh, in this movie. Um, It is. It's a very enjoyable film. I really, I found myself
1: really, really enjoying it. It Uh, is, and uh, you know, like I said, you know, it's ironic because we're doing it for the Michelle mission. I would just sigh a little bit every time Louise Beavers would come on. Yeah. Like, like you know, oh, my God, here she is. You, you know, it's like, and, you know, I was frustrated with Piola. But once I realized that <laughs> they couldn't let Freddie Washington loose. Yeah. Like, once I realized they couldn't let Freddie Washington loose, I was like, well, hell, just let her sit over there and collect her paycheck then.
0: Yeah, let her, let her get that money. Right. Get so. that money, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but here's the question, though. Now we come to the to the question. Is this... Version of Imitation of Life, the original, yes, adaptation of Imitation of Life. Is this a black film?
1: Ironically, this is less black than the version with all white people in it. Because the other one, because the other the one, dealing, I mean, I mean, it's central.
0: Yeah, it's more central.
1: Yeah, it's 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 yeah. You know, this it is very much a subplot. Mm-hmm. You you know, I think there are some really fascinating things going on right under the surface. Like, like you know, one thing about Claudette Colbert, who is French born, right? she's very ethnic looking. Yes, she is. To the point where Freddie Washington looks more like Claudette Colbert than the actress who plays Claudette Colbert's daughter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that says a lot about race in this country. You, you know, we talk about whiteness and you look at the history of European immigrants and you know when people you know people did not um, you know Italians and the Irish and the Pole, like these people were not immediately given pass cards to the gym right like it took a minute for them to be acknowledged as white and in 1934 this is a much more prevalent theme in, in American society about who is and who is not white so visually it is striking to see a woman who is supposed to be passing but she's actually played by an african american actress right next to a woman who is quote unquote white but looks very ethnic mm-hmm. and they're standing next to each other yeah so but as far as it being a black film i don't i don't know i don't think it is i don't i mean i guess i mean it's got a you know it's a black subplot but I don't know. I I don't think it is. I feel like when you ask people, certainly when you ask people about you know name
0: like their favorite black film, right? Imitation of Life comes falling out of their list. Absolutely. But I, I don't think uh, I certainly never challenge it. Challenge people on this, but I think more often than not, they're talking about the nineteen fifty nine. Absolutely. When they're saying it, I don't think they're referencing the nineteen thirty four. No. Um, which, like you say, it's funny because it's like. It's, it's mostly white people,
1: right? Right. Um, With the 90 right? Right. Nineteen. Yeah, yeah. It's people, all white right. people except for the one actress, Juanita Ford. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't think. I don't think you can call this a a black film, because while it. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back. I'm gonna say you can call this a black film. Okay. Because I do think it does. Sp- speak of the black experience does it speak of it whole cloth no right does it lean into it like maybe it could have no but again like we said with the forces that were against this film at the time to to speak on it to the degree that it did right is a courageous feat to a de, to a degree. Okay. To have this movie be made, and yes, you know that at this time Oscar Micheaux was on. He was doing films that were like telling this story and leaning hard into it. Right. You know, uh, as opposed to other Hollywood films that weren't touching on it at all, where black people are basically, if they're not the servants, they don't even exist in whatever fantasy world that the the characters are are. are playing around. Or they're the, the comic relief. Or they're the comic relief or something like that. Um So to have a film that is as close to the middle as it can be in 1934 um with a leading actress at the helm and to be very, very expertly made. There's nothing cheaply made about no this movie. not at all i was also you know speaking about that scene about the spiral staircases uh i was also actually taken in with the editing of the film i thought it was actually for the 30s very very well done you know the, yeah um i think you could say it i think it's a black film okay I, I I would say that
1: I say I'm not going to push back. If
0: I'm thing. going to say Driving Miss Daisy is a black film, uh, then I'm going to say Imitation of Life you know is a what? black film.
1: I think that's fair. Although I think you can cut the black characters out of this more easily, but I think that's fair. You could cut them out and still have a altogether movie, but yeah. the movie would be a
0: different movie.
1: Right. I think it's that's no fair. longer that yeah. story. And and I, I will say this last thing about Louise Beavers because I think I've been a little hard. On her performance, because again, I think it is a tough performance. Mm -hmm. She's not played as the comic relief. That never. Yeah, she's not the comic relief, which, in itself, in and of itself, in 1934, is pretty radical. Yeah, you know. Nor is she
0: played overly sympathetically. Like they don't go for like deep pathos. Like I said, this is not the soap opera. No, you know. There are some scenes in this film where, if those same scenes are in 1959's film. Yeah. It, you know, you've got the heavy music and, you know, long
1: stairs
0: and all that type of stuff. You know, Yes. This is pretty much, for what it is, played straight. And um, I appreciate it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this film. And um, uh, I've never seen the 59 version. I've seen clips of it mm-hmm. here and there. You know, you see all these clips. So I would be interested to see it but it would be hard for me to um, think that I would enjoy the 59 version more than this. I think this is better
1: than 59. Yeah.
0: I think that if people who are devotees of the 1959 version, and that's that's great. You know, Lana Turner, you know, she was doing her thing. Uh, that's fantastic. But I think you owe it to yourself to watch the original. Absolutely. You Absolutely. owe it to yourself to see the original, make allowances for the time in which it was made. It was made 25 years before the uh, the remake. Um, but you owe it to yourself to to check out the 1934 version of Imitation of Life. It is, um, it's quite a piece of work by director John Stahl. It's very good. So you would recommend it? I would wholeheartedly recommend this film.
1: You know what? I don't know if I would recommend it as the Michelle missionary recommendation, but I think like just sort of on the street. Okay. Like I said, I would say this, you know, this is a really good film. Yeah. This is a really good film. That's fair. So, but like you said, no, I take that back. I would recommend it. Cause I do think it's one of these films, much like sweet, sweet Badass song that you should see. Like you should see. So, there All right, go. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I had to slip that in. Yeah. I had to slip that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's fine. <laughs> All
0: that's right. fine. All right. So, um, mm. we want to hear your feedback of Imitation of Life. Write to us at mission at gmail.com. Also, uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, And uh, any place and every place um, at Michelle Mission or Mission Michelle. Um, Also, real quick, um, I'm not sure whether or not it it was in the version that didn't get recorded. So I want to put it out there. Congratulations to... Uh, friend of the show, Simone Missick. She is actually uh, part of a, um article. Yeah, in, oh yeah. In this month, in the February edition mm-hmm. of Essence Magazine. Yes, yeah, she is. That speaks about the black superheroine. That's right. It's talking about, you know, with the. Bl- the Black Panther movie coming out, yeah, and it talks about all the black superheroes that have been in the movies and television, and right there, I so say she got that corner she spot. She got that corner spot. Then you know that's, that's that prime real estate of the article is our girl Simone Mystic Misty Knight from Netflix's Luke Cage. All right. So uh, go ahead, Simone. Go
1: on, Simone. We're very, very. Do you think, girl? Happy for you. Yeah. Go ahead, girl bad so that's right i see you
0: i see you <laughs> all right um hey real quick before we get out of here uh just letting people know that we've been talking about these tickets to wakande yes our black panther screening that's going to be happening on february 17th here in philadelphia well guess what tickets are on sale
1: Wow!
0: Tickets are on sale. Can you believe that, Vince? There are actually tickets are on sale. You can get tickets to Wakanda for Wakanda. with a limited amount of seats. We actually had to move to a bigger theater. Wow! Yeah, we had to move to a bigger theater, um, just because to the, the be totally honest, people were coming at us for tickets, right? And we had sold out. So so many people came at us that we moved to a bigger bigger theater. So now there are a limited number of seats that are are available. Go to uh com for more information. All right. Okay? Um we got to get out of here. Hey, next week. Next week. Episode 99. We are right. We are right there. there. And we are journeying back
1: Yes. To 1932. Speaking of Oscar Micheaux.
0: That's right. We're going to visit Oscar Micheaux's 10 Minutes to Live. Ooh. I mean, that sounds like... It does. That sounds like a great
1: movie.
0: I'm surprised nobody's taken that for another... Like, remade that. I know. Or just taking a title. Right. That's a cool title.
1: That's all right.
0: 10 Minutes to Live. Wow. Watch it be a comedy.
1: I know. (laughs)
0: going to be a comedy 10 <laughs> um, minutes to live by Oscar Michaud that will be on episode 99 wow of the Michelle mission Um, And if you're listening to this and if you get it early enough on your Wednesday morning, you can tune into WURD here in Philadelphia, uh, wordradio.com, where it streams live at 11 a.m. on Wednesday, January 24th. The Michelle Mission is going to be on The Source Radio Show. Yeah. Talking all about movies, all about black movies and we'll actually be talking about some silly movie that a bunch of you people are like that, you know, I don't know what you think.
1: thinking. Ah, uh, here he goes. That's Let right. It, yes. That's right. We're talking about The Last Dragon. <laughs> um,
0: but until then, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back next week. He's Vince... I'm Len, and parting, we say...
1: We'll see you when it's time to meet again.